But we'll have to put a pin in it. Oh, man, did I put fucking graphics up? Oh, shit. <laughs> Shit's going to hit the fan now. Let's find out. Let's find out if I put graphics up. I didn't, I didn't put the Twitter names up. I didn't put the Twitter handles up. So let me go fix those. Otherwise, otherwise, you Perry. You're going to play that fantastic entrance. Otherwise, Perry Von Vicious, your people are going to start following uh, Alexander Crowley. So let me go take care of that. But I'll do that in, in one second. You can hear us, right? Oh, yeah. Awesome. How you doing tonight? Oh, you know, hanging in there. Perry yeah. Von Vicious, just like it is. All right, I'm going to run around and take care of it. Uh, feel free. You, we're live. You can say anything you want. You, oh, you, man. you can talk to Vanessa. Uh, uh, He's got a weird owl shirt on. Like, that's it. That's hey, the end of the interview. Hey, you can bring up UHF if you want. Talk about that. Talk about accordions. Man, uh, I, I went to a... All right, you talk. I got to well, fix it. Yeah, yeah. I went to a live viewing of uh, UHF in Providence a couple years ago, oh, so um, which was amazing to go with like an, a theater full of people. And uh, at the end of the night, Weird Al came out and did a Q&A. And that was just yeah. amazing. Like, any oh. anytime I can. I mean, I've seen him in concert, I don't know, uh, a dozen times, maybe more. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's always amazing. No, oh, I wish. Oh, that's like, I just, that's all I remember is Weird Al songs when I was a kid. Like, that was life. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think it influenced uh, pretty much everyone that would have grown up as a, as a millennial. Like, I, I feel like it was hard to not hear it. Although, you know, it wasn't like a popular thing to be into. Like yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely got picked on through most of high school for being a weird Al fan. Are you serious? Oh yeah. Oh no. Like if you did not listen to weird Al in my high school, you were uncool. <laughs> I would have gladly traded that for my experience. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know anybody that listened to Weird Al except me uh, and my uncle. That was it. Uh, I fixed the Twitter. Everyone relax. I fixed it. So now you can go follow Perry Von Vicious at Twitter. Perry, just like it is. Perry Von Vicious. Hopefully I spelled it right because I'm not walking around the bar again. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> I'm sure it'd be fine. I doubt, I doubt there's anyone who has the same handle with like one letter off. I don't think, uh, I don't think people are clamoring to get like accidental follows from me. <laughs> Man, I followed you and you don't do any wrestling. Uh, but, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, we were discussing, we were trying to figure out, uh, how I, I literally, Saw a tweet from uh, Levi Shapiro, and he said some very kind, nice words that I have forgotten, but they were extremely nice when I read them. And I said, you know what? Levi is a great human being. We had him on. He was awesome. If he's good, if, if Perry Von Vicious is good enough for Levi, he's good enough for us. And, and here you are. Yeah, uh, Le- Levi is I, – I, I, I say this – all the time. And I think people take it as meaning my best friend in wrestling. Levi Shapiro is my best friend. Uh, We met about a decade ago. And uh, the first night we met, we were in a match together and just had a really good time. And the next thing we knew we were inseparable for the entire nine years that I lived in California. We were on the road together the whole time. 
So oh. yeah, uh, and, and uh, we wound up uh, by the time by the time right before I moved back to the East Coast, between where he had moved around in the Bay Area and where I had moved around in the Bay Area, we wound up living like around the corner from each other, and would he'd like walk over to the house and we'd go across the street to uh, Mills College where they had a track and we'd go running every night. Nice. Um, and we're gonna get to that because that's an interesting uh, uh, like how you get started. You had like a three starts is what i heard you say in another interview three different yeah. starts but what i'm really want to know is how does uh, a phobia of snakes an episode of superstars in 1989 and a visit to your aunt joan's house almost kill your love for wrestling yeah uh so i was i was really little and didn't know wrestling at all like i knew of wrestling right you know i i, I knew what a wrestling ring looked like. I had kind of the, I, I totally knew who Hulk Hogan was. Cause what kid didn't, um, you know, I would have probably been, you know, six or seven. I'm sure if we looked up the angle, we could do the math and figure it out, but that's not that interesting. No one tuned in for math. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I was staying at my aunt Joan's house, my, my mom's identical twin sister and me and my little brother are there. And my three cousins are there. And, it's Saturday morning, the morning after we, you know, stayed up late eating junk food and, you know, all the, all the things you do if you're a little elementary school and you get to hang out with your cousins. And, uh, they were watching the Saturday morning wrestling show at the time. I presume superstars, although yeah. it was, I was so little, I honestly couldn't tell you which show it was for sure. And they were replaying the angle where, uh, earthquake came out with the space covered while the bad guys, for the life of me, can't even remember who now, uh, had Jake the Snake tied up in the ropes. And they took his, and I was already terrified because I was scared of snakes. Right. At that I, age, I think everyone's. Yeah. I mean, I'm not terribly fond of them now. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I was already terrified that they were going to open the bag and the snake would come out. And they put the snake in the middle of the ring and the earthquake runs and does the earthquake on the snake. Avalanche. You oh. know theoretically killing it or whatever hurting you know and and you're watching jake the snake this tough wrestler guy with the mustache and everything just bawling his eyes out and freaking out and nothing you know i at that point in my life i'd never seen a grown man cry yeah cry or like that emotionally hurt and the i it dawned on me then you know i had pets at home like seeing your pet get like injured or killed by someone in front. It just horrified me to no end. Um, and yeah, I didn't, did not watch wrestling again. Didn't seek it out um, until I was in middle school, just like a week or two before the NWO invasion. I just happened to start watching it. Interesting. So around 96, right before the summer in 96. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, re- I went back, I heard you tell that story about Jake the Snake and Earthquake. And I could not remember that. So I had to go back and look it up. And sure enough, that was the angle. Earthquake did his finisher on Damien and <laughs> crushed it. It's it's horrific. It's terrible. It, it, I don't think it could play out today. Oh, no. An- <laughs> no. Animal cruelty today? No, no, they'd never put that on. And I mean, for good reason. That was scarring. <laughs> Yeah. 
Oh man. But I, I love finding out later the story behind it. Okay. Um, hearing, hearing interviews where they talk about it and they obviously the snake wasn't in the bag because right. you know, there's a, I mean, there's a million reasons not to do that. Uh, but they needed something in the bag that roughly approximated the snake. And apparently what they went with was women's pantyhose stuffed full of raw hamburger. (laughs) And that's what they filled the bag with. And uh, I I read this interview with Earthquake where he said that he couldn't get the smell out of his tights for like a year. Oh, Yeah, just as as though it wasn't a gross enough, terrible thing to watch. Now I have that to to cope with. (laughs) Now I hate hamburger. Oh, yeah. that's gross. So that almost killed the love of wrestling for you. you. You wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for, um, uh, you said you went over, I forgot your cousin's house, your friend's house. It was the, the same cousin's house, the same cousins. And, and it was video and, uh, games this time. That's right. It was uh Monday night raw for the Sega Genesis. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a huge gamer and I'm, I'm, I honestly, I wish I, I was more of a gamer because video games are amazing. I actually tweeted about this this morning. I did. I read and, it. I was going to ask you about it later. And I, you know, I wish that I played more video games because they're awesome and they've come so far. But yeah. when I was little, I definitely had more time. Um, and, uh, and that, that game just hooked me and I saw the characters like Doink the Clown and Diesel. And I was just, I was all in on the spot and from from then it became how do i convince my parents to let me put this on the tv and the answer was i didn't (laughs) i went went over a friend's house and watched monday night raw and nitro uh whenever i could so what drew you in back then i mean that was that was top of the line stuff back then that was you're flipping channels and everything so what was it that drew you in you know there was I, I've, I've always, you know, uh, I've always wanted to be a performer of some type. And at that age, when you're that little, anything right. where people react is amazing. And watching those audiences on Nitro and on Raw, I mean, it was, it was like looking into the face of God. You know, these, these guys would come out, you know, you, you watch an old clip of Eddie Guerrero on Nitro when he comes out and does something, does something shitty, <laughs> turns, turns and looks at the audience, just shoots them a look and they all just up out of their seats reacting. And I, I wanted that. Yeah. That, uh, even at a young age, you're wanting to, uh, uh pop the crowd for sure. Um, so, t- so it wasn't allowed. So wrestling was not allowed on TV at your house. No, no. Uh, I, my, uh, my, my parents were, who are both, you know, my, my mom is five foot nothing and my, my dad is five foot eight, maybe okay. he's standing up really straight. They were both blessed with, uh, my brother and I who took on the genetics of everyone on my mom's side of the family where all the men are six ten. That's insane. We were, we were short to that side of the family. We okay. were, we're both six, three and, uh, built like construction workers. We're just, we're big guys. You know, I'm, I'm 240 pounds. And, uh, and that's, that's with me working to not be overweight. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I think my dad could see the writing on the wall by the time we were in middle school, he could see how we were growing in our size and anything he could do to stop us from, 
from diving on each other or brawling in the house was 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 needed. So what was the reaction when you when when did you decide this is what you wanted to do and and what was their reaction? Well, uh so I I you know, I, I did the thing everyone does where they watch religiously for right. a while and then they they fade out of it and then something brings them back. For me, it was friends still being really into it when I was in college. You know, I, I watched all through high school and then I got into a band and suddenly yeah. I didn't have time to sit at home watching wrestling. I was I was on tour and, uh, you know, then every every summer would end. The band yeah. would go on break for college yeah. and all my friends would be watching wrestling. And they knew that I was a, a mostly at that point, a theater geek and a band geek and I'd kind of gotten away from theater because I stopped getting any roles that were good. You know, theater geeks are little bitty guys and little bitty girls. And then there was me, the giant. <laughs> you. And so no one wanted to give me a good role. I was always, you know, uh, a henchman or, or something. And bouncer. Uh, a friend joked and said, well, you know, you could always just do wrestling. It's, it's theater for gorillas. <laughs> I was like, you know, I, doesn't sound bad. I didn't have an athletic bone in my body. I'd never done a sport in my life. Uh, but I decided right around the time I was finishing up college, I was like, you know, I'm, I'll give it a shot. I'll look into it. So I went to an indie show with a friend, found the ring announcer and asked him where the local guys train. And he sent me to Kevin Landry school in Palmer, Mass. And I trained there for four months before I told either of my parents. Uh, I told my mom who very sweetly uh, said, you've got two weeks before I tell your dad for you. But she was, you know, she essentially said, just don't get hurt. Yeah. And then I told my dad and he kind of looked at me and he said, well, I I got you through college and uh, you know, that's, you can do whatever you want. Now that was sort of always the implicit agreement was if I got my four-year degree, he really didn't care what I did after that. Um, so he said, yeah, you know, just don't get hurt. And, uh, you know, for a long time, I managed to keep that promise. Um, you said you, you didn't have an athletic bone in your body. So what's that first day of training like? Shocking. Because yeah. I, I walked in there, and you wouldn't know it looking at pictures of me now, but I walked in there a 300-pound yeah, fat I heard guy. you say that. And I was, uh, was shocked based on your pictures now. Yeah. Yeah. The, the before and after pictures when they're together are really a sight. Um, but I walked in there, a great big round guy in a, in a less than Jake t-shirt and checkered slip on vans. And, you know, to, to their credit, the trainers didn't just beat the crap out of me. Uh, you know, uh, they, they brought me in and they said, well, here's how you, here's how you take your basic bump, give it a shot. And I did it. And they go, that was good do 99 more don't don't (laughs) miss any and that that was their rule on night one was you had to get 100 in a row without missing any you couldn't have one bump go bad you had to get 100 in a row Uh i got all 100 and pretty much every bump since then just dumb luck i was kind of a natural at it i could do basically everything they showed me the first time with no athletic background to speak of at all um just honestly dumb. I still today don't really know how I managed that. Um, you, you said you're in a band. What did you play? 
Uh, I played guitar and sang backup vocals in the band, but I, I play a lot of instruments. Uh, most most interestingly of which is the accordion. That's the one. There you go. Yeah, weird out. That's the one everyone everyone laughs about. So the the reason I asked that right after you said, uh, you know, you picked up the bumps right off the bat, you know, without any athletic ability. Uh, I, I play a lot of instruments as well. I can't read music. I was never trained. I was never went, went to lessons. I just hear it and for some reason can do it, whether it's dumb luck or not. And I wondered if you were the same way in music as you are in that first day of training. I, I took classes and things, but never seriously. Yeah. Like I never really did the work. And then I joined my, uh, the punk band I wound up touring with. I joined that band before I knew how to play the guitar. Yeah. I owned a guitar and that was in high school. That's the prerequisite yes. for joining a rock band. Sure is. And uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, ran home that night and looked up and learned how to read tabs Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, taught myself some basic punk stuff overnight and we were off to the races. There you go. Get yourself like three chords and just switch back and forth. Yep. If, you, if you can, if you can palm mute eighth note power chords, <laughs> you're you go. good. Hey, hey, the Ramones made a living on it. Green Day's uh, Gr- making a living on Green it. Green Day. Oh, we could, we could wax poetic about them forever, forever. I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just the right age to have had them before American Idiot yep. and after. Yeah. Yes. Um, I know a lot of people that hate American Idiot. I actually enjoy it tremendously. Oh, I, my husband hates it. He's like, Green Day was only good at Dookie. After that, downhill. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's got to have their line in the sand, right? Got to draw it somewhere, right? Um, yeah, Green Day. I, I, why do I feel like I heard they're going on tour again? I think they are. Are they? I thought I heard that. Probably. Um, as long as nothing sounds gets, right. As long as nothing gets shut down again. Good lord. <sighs> Anyways, we'll get off the music. We can talk music after because I have a big festival coming up, and if I don't make it, I'm gonna be fucking pissed. Is it Riot Fest? No, it's uh, it's called See Here Now in New Jersey, and Pearl Jam's playing. And we had we had tickets last year, and it got you know shut down. And and it's it's hopefully hopefully they're gonna do it. We just got an email said all the precautions. Uh, it basically just says you got to show your vaccination card. That's all it really said. So hopefully that comes through. So I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan. I'll go anywhere. Nice. Sure. Um, and a Green Day fan, but I uh, have not seen them. Have I? No, I've never seen Green Day. I, I, I lose track of the bands I've seen. I definitely had a conversation not long ago where I was telling someone, Oh, you know, I really would have loved to have seen streetlight manifesto. And then I realized I've seen streetlight manifesto <laughs> like four times. Yeah. Right. It was all, it was all over a decade ago. Yeah. That's the problem. That is the problem <laughs> for sure. But um, we'll get back to wrestling. I guess this is allegedly a wrestling show. I see your question in the chats, buddy. I will get to it. Uh, there's someone in the chat that has the same question every show we do, and we will get to it. Uh, we'll try to be professional and stay on some sort of uh, timeline here or bullet points. Um, so you you said so you you started you picked it up quickly. Um, so you started here in Massachusetts. 
I say here, I'm not in Massachusetts, but I am Massachusetts at heart. Then you, you went out to California and then came back. So that's yeah. the short story. What I want to know are a couple things. One, why did you go to California? And what's the difference between East Coast Wrestling and West Coast Wrestling? So uh, I'll answer the easy half of that first. Okay. Uh, why I went to California was just real life stuff, you know? Okay. I, um, I graduated college with an English degree and went into the, uh, oh. the ever-blossoming, growing field of newspapers. That's right. Oh, which, yeah, I had a good line for that, yeah. Yeah, yeah like pr- pr- probably half the people who will hear or see this will be like, what's a newspaper? And rightfully so. Um, so that was not a growth industry uh, in 2007. And uh, I was laid off. Uh, and, you know, I was, I was graduating right into... I mean, you know, not to put a political spin on anything, yeah. but right into the Bush recession. Yeah. Uh, you know, the job market was not great at the time and I was unemployed. And my uh, my girlfriend at the time, uh, who very, very shortly before we moved, became my fiance and who a few years later became my wife and is now upstairs hanging out with the cats. Uh, her job came to her in the dead of a Massachusetts February winter and said, we're moving to California. We can either let you go or we can cover your moving expenses and you can come with us. Interesting. And we jumped at the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and we've moved to the uh, the Bay Area. We lived in uh, in Oakland and a couple surrounding towns, depending on when. You know, we moved around a little bit. Uh, and also lived in the Santa Cruz area for a brief time. So so real, so just, just life. Like there wasn't like a... Yep. No, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't heading out there to seek fame and fortune was (laughs) heading out there to uh, keep both of us from being on unemployment. Uh, so, okay. Obviously you came back. Is there a big difference in wrestling out West and wrestling in the East? So there's, there are an infinite number of differences in every way you could ask this question. Okay. There are differences between the Massachusetts I started wrestling in yeah. versus the California I arrived in, differences between the California I arrived in and the California I left, and differences between both of those and the Massachusetts I came back to. Everything's been changing. Um, when I started in Massachusetts, it was such a old-school mentality of you're the rookie, you just get in the car with some vet, and maybe they can get you on some show where everyone is, you know, uh, phoning it in more or less at the yeah. time. That's how it felt. You know, there's a lot of guys who were, oh, it's, you know, it's not TV. Let's just not get hurt. <laughs> and no one, no one was showing out on the indies in 2008. Um, at least not the indies I was, I was on. Uh, and so I moved to California and I started with a, a company out there, Big Time Wrestling, uh, actually training alongside, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and name drop Bailey from WWE was a trainee there at the time Interesting. and is, is, is a fantastic person who I can't say enough nice things about, um, worked there for a little bit and was simultaneously making some YouTube skits around my character. Something that best I could tell at the time and nobody you was know, doing. Yeah. Mid 2009, no one was doing it and, uh, all pro wrestling. Uh, most famous for Roland Alexander's appearances in Beyond the Mat, 
Ah. Uh, they reached out to me and said, hey, we saw your YouTube skits. Can we start using it? And I said, sure. And they gave me a date a few months into the future, and I thought nothing of it. And then I started hearing when I was working other shows in the area that they had put together like a graphic and preview videos that played on the screen. Perry Von Vicious is coming, which was crazy because I was in no one. Uh, And they were like hyping me for my arrival. And then the first night I showed up, they had me win three matches straight and win their young lions cup. Like they, they were all in on this character just based on YouTube videos. I found out later the promoter had never watched a match of mine. He had seen the, uh, the videos, the sketches and had asked a few people who knew me, Hey, is he any good? Is he all right? And they all said, yeah, yeah, he's he's fine. And so they brought me in and put me over that way. And then at the end of the night, had me attack the champion after the main event ended and put me straight into like a main event run. To the moon. Yeah, yeah. Taking him, shooting him to the moon. Also, uh, that was when I was in the middle of losing all the weight for the first time. Yeah. So I, uh, the sketches he saw, I was 300 pounds. And then you showed up. When I showed up to wrestle... I was 195 pounds. Wow. Uh, yeah. And in that year I lost uh, 110 pounds in the course of 10 months. That is insane. Yeah. And not the only time I've done it. <laughs> really? I, uh, I had a period while I was in California, where I was doing a bit more stand-up comedy uh, than wrestling, okay. which I, I, t- I tell people it's, it's the diagram of ego. <laughs> you know i i started in choir and in theater in high school me and a hundred other people yeah. then i was in select choir me and 40 people then i was in a punk band me and five then i was wrestling it's me and an opponent and then i did stand up and it was just me <laughs> and that's, that you. was what i needed <laughs> uh but when i was doing stand up more than wrestling i allowed myself to get into stand up comedy shape ah, yes <laughs> so yeah i kind of Got a little heavy again, not quite 300 pounds, but I got heavy again. And then um, it was, this was years later. I was asked to take on Will Roberts at APW, who was the current Young Lions Cup champion. And he was taking every previous one on in a row. So when it got to my turn, they told me the date and I had eight weeks. So I lost 60 pounds in eight weeks so that when I came back, I was back to looking like 2011 Perry. And no one could believe it when I showed up. That is insane. And now, now thankfully, I'm, I'm closer to 240 and a little less scrawny. It was, it was, uh, I, when, when, I, when I lost all the weight and would be down under 200, yeah. uh, you know, it was, it was nice. It felt really good, but I looked... I, I looked maybe a little sick. A little odd, yeah. Yeah. You're what, 6'3"? Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, but, of course, the, you know, the last time I weighed what I weigh now, 240, I didn't wear it the way I do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wearing a lot more of it around the midsection then. Yes, and you definitely and, – and the the images, and I went through a ton of images on Instagram today, and, uh, and then I listened to a bunch of, of – other podcasts that you did when you said that, like you were in the 300 pounds, I was like, Holy crap! Because what is that noise? What is that noise? That was impact we wrestling. 
<laughs> oh, I thought we were getting a run in. Bracing myself. <laughs> it's, it's a run in from uh, Levi Shapiro. Uh, Spuddy in Canada wants to know how did you cut the weight? He's been working out hard, but would love to know what you did. He loves success stories. Uh, so I'll I'll do what every every uh, reasonably non litigious person does when they say this. I am not a dietitian. I am not. I'm I'm I am nothing. I have no credentials other than I've done it. Right. Uh, the first time when I when I lost 110 pounds in 10 months, I cut all white foods, which removes all carbs, all dairy, uh, just completely gone. Um, I also made my portion sizes smaller and I started running every day. Um, just jogging. It was probably a three mile jog every day. You know, not even really going hard on them, just jogging. Uh, there was, there was a reservoir near the house I lived in at that time. So I'd go up and jog around that in the middle of the day. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, very, uh, very masculine, tough guy. I would do uh Jillian Michaels 30 day shred, <laughs> Jillian which, uh, <laughs> definitely got some laughs from my wife when she would hear this voice shouting at me, come on girls. I think I have that DVD. <laughs> hey, I, I'm here to tell you it works. It does. So, He's living proof. Yeah. Uh, that was how I did it the first time. Um, it didn't hurt that I was wrestling two to three times every weekend pretty active. Uh, and I was training for wrestling two nights a week. Uh, that probably didn't hurt. Uh, but it was yeah. definitely a lot of overkill on workout, a lot of cardio, just tons of cardio, mountains of it. Uh, and depriving myself of everything that I enjoyed eating. Um, the second time, and this is the one I really can't recommend strongly. Uh, I did a variation of uh Pendulette from Penn and Teller. Okay. Uh, he, re- he did a huge weight loss. Um, and I did a, a slightly more extreme variation of what he does. Uh, he goes entirely plant-based and has a bunch of finite rules in it. I find the simpler you make it, the better. So I made one rule for myself and it was six days a week. I only ate raw green vegetables. Day seven, I ate whatever. And by that point, I was already, I, I don't drink calories. The only beverages I consume are black coffee, water, and unsweetened tea. Good for you. Um, so that part was easy. The rest of it, though, uh, I'm told now years later by former coworkers and my wife and anyone who knew me at the time that I was impossible to be around for those eight weeks. Um, and I was running. Uh, I thought I was running three miles a night. It turned out that the track at Mills College I was running on was not regulation. I was actually running five miles every night. And this time I was going hard. Like I was really running. And uh, sometimes not even because I wanted to. The sprinkler system there had a mind of its own at night. And uh, <laughs> sometimes I'd really have to start hauling ass. You have to speed it up. Yep. That is some uh, discipline, though. It's a uh, dedication. Yeah, you know, um, it always helped that I could. I had an end goal. Mm-hmm. You know, by this date, I want whatever. So I could, I could see it. You know, I could put a calendar up and just cross out each day as I went. And you know, that always helped. I still do that. I keep calendars everywhere where I write down 
you know, what body part I lifted for that day, what kind of cardio I did, how much of it, and if I stuck to my diet that day. Uh, every single day I charted. What, what triggered, like, did you want to lose the weight for wrestling reasons or did you want to lose the weight for just overall health of Perry Von Vicious? You know, uh, it's, it's definitely wrestling. Uh, if I'm completely honest, yeah. uh, I was, uh, and I won't mention his name because I love him to death. He and I are very good friends, but I was bullied a great deal by another student at the wrestling school in California who called me fat all the time Ugh. and picked on me for the way I looked. Uh, you know, I, we, I, I don't, I don't hold it against him now. He was, he was younger than I was younger than we're all stupid when we're young and mm-hmm. say hurtful, dumb stuff and whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, I won't drop his name because he is a very good friend of mine who I care for deeply, but, uh, yeah, definitely body shamed into, I think probably the first 40 pounds I lost were just subconscious. I wasn't even paying attention. Like I remember getting on the scale one day, looking down and going 260. How am I down to 260? And uh, I think I really was just leaving more food on my plate at the end of a meal because I, I was being bullied. If you can picture a 300 pound, six foot three guy being bullied by someone, yeah. It is, uh, I read that Braun Strowman was bullied. Oh, I, I, I bet. Yeah. So I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, there's, unfortunately there's too many bullies in the world for all different reasons. And, uh, I have three daughters and I have to go through shit like that, uh, almost every day. So, uh, yeah, yeah I've, I, I can, I can safely say I've only been on two of the three possible ends of the bully world. I've been bullied. And I've been a teacher. Yeah, uh, I, I've I've not done any bullying that I that I'm aware of. Right. But you know, yeah. I'm sure when I was a kid, I said something stupid and mean to someone. I just blocked it out years later. Um, what did you teach? Uh, I so I, I taught English in Korea for a little while. You taught English in Korea. Yeah, uh, I should South Korea. I should be very okay. specific. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, it was me, it was the best. I, I didn't know there's a different difference between Korea and South Korea. Just the fact that it's somewhere else. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was the best. It was a short it was a short stay. Most people have to do a year long contract. Yeah. Um, I was brought in for a summer camp, so I I was just there for a summer. Uh, real interesting year that year. I spent most of the summer teaching English in Korea, and in between my time there. Uh, there was a week where I was back and then my wife who had been home the whole time, right? My fiance at the time, right. we were closing in on our wedding, but my fiance had been home that whole time alone. A week later, she left to go down to Central America to work with primates for eight weeks. Same. So we went, we went like three months without seeing each other. And then a month later was our wedding. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I taught English in Korea and then I was a second grade teacher at one of the worst public schools in (laughs) Oakland, California, which is one of the worst districts in California, which is 47th in the country for public education. Wow. So not a huge credential to say I taught there, but, uh, that job is what broke me and I never taught again. Yeah. I, I, I can imagine. I definitely can imagine. Um, 
for the people in the chat or you know people on YouTube, we'll push it out there that may not know who you are, who your character is. First of all, phenomenal name, Perry Vaughn Vicious. Anyone that has the name Vaughn uh, is is high class. And your character now that uh, I've seen in Limitless, and when I went back, your character then Perry Vaughn Vicious, they're two different. Yeah, it's evolved. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. So I started as what the name would lead people to guess. I was a uh, very stereotypical rich snob character. Yeah. Uh, full suit to the ring with an ascot and a monocle, and it was all tearaway once I got there. Biggest pop of any match I had was my Velcro pants coming off. Um, I did that character for a lot longer than I should have. Um, it, it would get over in a place for a time. But, you know, you can, anyone can look at someone playing a rich character and know whether they're really rich or not. Right. So I think, I think people saw through it and they disliked me and played along, but it lost a lot of steam after a while. And um, around the time I moved back here was when I was really, you know, getting in the best shape of my career. And I realized watching my YouTube that, apart from great angles and great moments, there was, there was nothing spectacular. Like if a coworker said, Oh, show me what you do. Unless they had 10 minutes to sit down and understand a story. They were never going to think it was interesting. Right. And so very selfishly, I started getting my shit in. Um, You know, I started doing dives and throwing moonsaults and stuff. Uh, you know, a far cry from the unathletic 300 pound kid who walked into a warehouse in Palmer, Massachusetts and took his first bumps. Look where you are now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I'm in a, a strangely lit basement. Um, <laughs> looks that's, great. That's how I, that's how the gym looks, by the way. Look at those lights. It looks like a club. You got, you got to have fun when you're working out. That's a um, good point. But uh, yeah, I started doing more stuff. And suddenly the rich guy thing was almost like a hindrance. It just meant that I had to bring these suits with me to shows. And there was this whole, my entrance took forever. I'd be sweating through the suits, waiting for my music to play. It was just a pain. And it was right around the time that I got really fed up with that, that a guy I had been paired up with to feud everywhere since I came back, a wrestler at the time known as Tomahawk, uh, now better known to the world as Iron Rip Bison. Ah. Uh, we we had feuded everywhere and were like diving off of shipping containers at each other, fighting on top of U-Haul trucks. I mean, every imaginable crazy thing we could do, we did. We were sick of wrestling each other and we were on the road together all the time going to these shows. And we just decided like, you know, if we team together, they can't book us to fight each other anymore. Good point. So we started teaming up and he wasn't a rich snob. I wasn't at the time he was sort of doing like a, you know, he looked like we, we joke now. He looked like he was Tatanka's nephew or something. <laughs> um, so we decided to switch things up a little bit and he became iron rip bison. And I decided to play off of vicious right. in my last name. And I became uncle Sid's favorite nephew, actually playing the nephew of a famous wrestler. Yeah. Uh, and sort of doing a psycho Sid thing. Yeah. 
and we both started wearing these leather vests covered with spikes to the ring and a very sort of a legion of doom road warriors look you know uh and by that point i had started to put on some size he was putting on more size because we're both really into lifting and 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 you know nutrition and everything so we became like the go out there and just wreck anyone in our path tag team. Uh, so that was, that was sort of where my character started to go pre pandemic. Yeah. The pandemic hits and uh, I have older parents who live very close to me. Okay. So I wasn't really willing to go do a lot of tapings because I needed to be around in case they needed something. Right. Uh, Rip fortunate for him does not have that problem. Uh, so he was able to go to all the tapings and the world got to know rip. He is amazing. Definitely top three people I've ever been in the ring with easily. And he has been on a singles tear. Like you wouldn't believe with limitless wrestling. And I know a bunch of other places have their eye on him and I, I can't wait to see where he goes with all of it. But I knew well, that's it for that version of Perry. Okay. Because if I keep going out wearing the leather and the spikes and everything, now I'm just that guy who's tr- like trying to be ripped. Trying to catch up, yeah. Yeah. So I really, I, I thought about it very hard and decided, you know, I've been doing this over 13 years, not getting any younger. I think it's time I just do whatever I want. There you go. Be yourself. So my first match back, uh, I had, uh, during the one taping I did during COVID, we had a street fight and me and Rip went out wearing crop tops and jeans. And the picture of me in the crop top was so great to me. It was funny. I thought it looked cool. Uh, I think I, I posted a picture of me and Alexa Bliss mirroring. Yes. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> Who wore yeah, it better? Uh, uh and and I saw I saw her come out in that outfit, and I was like, "Oh, this is perfect!" And went and found a picture of it on Instagram and stuck them together. Uh, and I decided, like, you know what? I'm keeping the crop top. <laughs> Who's going to tell me not to? It's whoa, whoa! Is someone not going to book me? Hey, if Alexa can top? wear it, you can wear it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so then the question was, well, what what shirt? And I uh, I thought about who I am and what I like outside of wrestling. Cause I wasn't going to wear a wrestler's shirt to the ring. Right. Uh, and I realized the things I love are things like novelty bands, uh, monster trucks, I think are really cool. I loved them as a kid. Uh, you know, just weird stuff like that. So I started seeking out some shirts. I got a, uh, a shirt of the band, the residents who are like the, the novelty band. No one knows who they are. No one's ever seen their faces. They've been a band since the seventies. No one knows the members. That's amazing. There you go. So I, I got their shirt, cut it into a crop top, wore it out to the first match. Uh, then I saw a uh, Bigfoot, the monster truck still sells like their nineties retro shirts. Yes. So I got one of those, cut that into a crop top and uh, started entering to uh, automatic by less than Jake. Cause oh I just, you know, big punk ska kid and uh just being myself and you know there's still a little bit of old school rich weird guy perry in there if i get mad you can see it come out in my face during the matches 
there's still a little bit of Uncle Sid's favorite nephew. I'm I'm perfectly happy to powerbomb people mid-match. Uh, but, you know, things like my love of Disney parks. My finishing move right now is uh, the old spinning razor's edge. Yeah. I call it the parry-go-round. <laughs> I, I, you uh, know, it's I, I love theme parks. Why not? Who's going to get mad? What's your favorite Disney park? It's a really tough question. Um, Disneyland in California. Okay. Like Dis- Dis- and, and I have to specify Disneyland, not California Adventure. I do like California Adventure, but Disneyland, the actual main park, probably – my favorite park of all time. It was the first Disney park I ever went to. Uh, my parents took me there when I was a kid. We went out to California on vacation and uh, I was actually married there in that park. Don't tell Disney. We did not have permission. Um, <laughs> well, they and, do watch uh, this show, so that could be a problem. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, Chapek is tuning in. <laughs> it's fine. That guy's going to be out on his butt in a couple years. Anyway, he's doing a horrible job. <laughs> the worst. Um, they're 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 gonna they're gonna take me down the next time I try to go in the parks. Right. Oh, you're <laughs> not what allowed. You said about JPEG. Not you. We saw you and putting you over. Yeah, Get him exactly. out of here. Um, I, behind that, I would say Epcot. Just love Epcot. Yeah. I could I could wander Epcot forever and ride ride the rides that everyone else thinks are boring. Yeah, I could ride those forever. Yeah, uh, I just went to Disney. Uh, D- Disney World, uh, mm-hmm. down there in Florida, and uh, it took a lot to get me down there. Uh, they had to drug me like BA Baracus and the A team and get me on a plane. Uh, but they did, and uh, it was great. And uh, that one of the selling points was uh, you know, uh, Star Wars Galaxy there, the Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. Big selling point. Like I could, I spent, I could have spent my entire vacation down there. Like in that, just in that area. Uh, yeah. The the last time we went was about two months before the world shut down, yep. and it it was open then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we had purposely scheduled our days so that if we couldn't get on Rise of the Resistance, because there was a chance you didn't get that yep. boarding pass. Yep, that's right. We had two other days where we could swap in an extra day in Hollywood Studios if we had to. If you had. Uh, fortunately, we got on first try, which <laughs> at that time was an incredible, incredible moment to be at in the park because they only did one round of trying to get the boarding pass. Okay. At 8 a.m., they did it. So when you walked in the park, no one was anywhere. There was no one on a ride. There was no, everyone was in that first section of the park. Just <laughs> right. tens of thousands of people all like this. It's exactly what they do. I did mine. I did that same thing like this uh, while in line for um, the Aerosmith roller coaster. Cause it's oh, right yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, when rock you walk and roller coaster. Yeah. 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 Uh, and you know, yeah, we got in. It was great. I, it, now did, did you have the experience of the moment that everyone gets their boarding pass? Um, oh, it's like a three count for a baby face. The entire theme park just, yeah, you just hear it start erupting all around you. It was amazing. I did not get that. I did not. I'm, I'm very upset now. I did not get a baby face pop. <laughs> it was, it was, it was really something else. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to when I can get back to the parks again. Um, so you're a star Wars fan. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, who is it? Grew man? up, grew up right in the right age range, yes, and I was did. at the time 
if you were into Star Wars, you were probably a nerd. It wasn't everyone then. It wasn't cool then. Now it's cool. Right. And I was definitely uncool enough to be just totally obsessed with Star Wars. Um, do you like The Last Jedi? I do. I, you know, I, the, the, I just like things. Yes. <laughs> you know? Me too. Uh, I, I went in, I've, I've heard so many people make all kinds of arguments that when you hear them are perfectly valid. Yes. But it's not Shakespeare. This isn't, this isn't something that's, you know, taught in, in, you know, they're not teaching Star Wars as like proper storytelling in most colleges. This is a movie about a ragtag band of <laughs> whoever's in space fighting a bunch of garbage cans with their big dog. Like, lighten up a little bit, you know? It's supposed to be fun. And, and yeah, pe- people got very bent out of shape. People take it very seriously, and I think that's a a very silly way to watch a movie. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I know a lot of people that hate it. I enjoy it. I also thoroughly enjoyed rise of Skywalker, which yeah. then after the fact, I heard people didn't like it. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah. what? I loved it. It's great. I've, I've talked to so many people who just hated it. And you know, I, all I can think is like, you know, <laughs> taking yourself, a little too seriously you're yeah. taking the movie too seriously like really just watch it and enjoy it because yeah. i i mean i i just i loved it did you the last time you were in the park did you go on star tours i went on star tours a lot because uh we went on it once right off the bat and and, and loved it and then one day we were there and my wife and my middle kid were in line for the millennium falcon one i forget what the name of it is and we were like coming back from the bathroom and we didn't want to get in line again we went to star tours and there's no line we got in we did it we got out we did it again because there was no line because it can change <laughs> yeah it's different every time every time so we we did it like three or four times and then but we met up with my wife and got on the other one but since rise of skywalker came out the ending of it is always you're one of the ships that comes in for the save at the end of rise of Skywalker. Yes. And I did not expect that yes. when we went down. Cause I've, you know, I've, the number of times I've been to Disney parks is just absurd. Right. Uh, there was a time in California where it was part of my PO, my, my pay okay. when I would go wrestle in SoCal, there was a company where the promoter's sister worked in the park and the next day, as part of me and Levi and whoever was in the car with us, a part of our pay, she would use her guest swipe and let us into the park for free. That's awesome. So I was going to the park minimum once a month for like two years. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. Best, best payout I've ever had. (laughs) Best payout ever. Um, I was scrolling through your Instagram earlier today. Uh, I noticed something. Mm Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of pictures with you wearing Zubas. Yeah. Do you love them? Do you have a thing for them? Uh, you know, I mean, first they're, they're comfortable. They are. And they're pretty cheap for what they are. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a wrestling thing, right? Yes. You know, we see old, old clips of the road warriors or the British bulldog or whoever. They're walking around the same way that I walk into a lot of shows. Zubas in a fanny pack. <laughs> it's uh it's the way to go and i mean honestly starting to carry the fanny pack changed the disney parks for me forever I bet. 
way better. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it is a comfort thing, you know, uh, especially 90% of the travel I've done has been by car to shows. And I just really, you know, I, I'm, I'm a trendy hipster kid. I didn't want to wear my skinny jeans that long. It seemed really uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and uh, especially some of the rides I've been on um, with, with Rip and with uh, the Sea Stars, yeah. we're going really far. You know, in, in the last few years, we went, we drove from Massachusetts to Austin, Texas and back. We drove to Chicago, to Nova Scotia, to New Orleans. You know, it, these are long drives. and I just, I can't get any more dressed up than Zubas. <laughs> That's insane. Um, I have one pair of Zubas and I love them. They're extremely comfortable. They're black and white. Right? And when I wear them, I feel like the British Bulldog. I, I will say the first pair I ever had, gift from Levi Shapiro. Ugh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Right. That's, that's totally his thing too. <laughs> it does not surprise me. All right. I got to get to these two questions from Spuddy Canada in the chat, because if I don't, he's going to kill me. So we'll start with the first one. Uh, do you collect wrestling figures? Uh, I did. Uh, when I was little, I had a, a whole ton of them. Uh, now I have very few. I have a, uh, a Tupperware of some that I just, since we moved back, they've sat down here in the basement and have never gone up. They'll probably end up on eBay at some point. Uh, but I do have a few that I've, I've kept around. You won't be able to see them entirely, but that blinking shelf right there <laughs> has a row of, of about eight wrestling figures on it, like uh, Kikutaro and uh, the old AWA Road Warriors figures. Wow, and yeah, uh, they're they're not my toy vice. My toy vice is uh, uh, '80s and early '90s monster truck toys. Ooh, that's my go. that's my addiction. There you go. Everyone's got an addiction, especially with '80s toys. It was yeah. a different time for toys, man. <laughs> it sure was. I got a whole two milk crates of LJNs down there that my kids play with still. I know. When, when we moved back, uh, my, my wife's parents said, hey, we've had these two crates forever. They're yours. Take them. <laughs> get them out and of And my wife says, oh, yeah, sure, I'll take them. And we get them back here. It was my wife's He-Man toys from when she was a kid. Just tons of the figures. There's oh, like the big play sets too. and stuff. They're coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, hell yeah, we'll take those. <laughs> um, his other question is, um, he asked it a couple times. Let's see. So, uh, are you friends with Smart Mark? Uh, he's so happy he's got a gig and gimmicks. I think he's talking about the lawyer. Yes, the lawyer from AEW. Yes, Smart Mark Sterling. I am friends with Smart Mark. He's from um, Massachusetts as well. He is. He uh, he started a few years before I came around, and he had a uh, a little break where he wasn't wrestling, and we just missed meeting mm. when I started. Like, by a month, we just missed crossing paths. Um, and then I moved away. When I came back, the first place I started working, Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling, Smart Mark Sterling is there, and I kind of looked at him, and I thought, I know you. <laughs> where do I know you from? And he told me his old ring name and I go, Oh, I saw you on shows when I was in college. And, um, yeah, we, uh, we wound up uh, teaming together a few times out here and I'm super happy to see that he's got a gig on TV too, yeah. because, uh, you know, not many people put in the amount of work he does, uh, both in terms of 
working out and conditioning and in-ring and all the other stuff. The work he does on the podcast with, with uh, Zack Ryder and that whole crew. Yep, that's and, right. This is that. Yeah, uh, yeah just the, the, the amount of work he's willing to do to get where he's at now. I can't think of anyone who deserves it more. Seems great. I want to get him. I want to get him on and talk about the Red Sox. You a Red Sox fan? I I don't follow a single sport. I when you said you had no athletic uh, bone in your body, I assumed that you did when, not follow a sport. When when I was little, I was a big Red Sox fan because you know I I, I lived in New England mm-hmm. and I was a little kid. I did whatever my parents did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as sure. I got older, I just uh, you know all all sports to me just felt like watching a millionaire stand in a field. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's, I'm, there, there's times where I wish I was a sports fan. Yeah. When I think about some sports fans and how they can come home from work, put on a game and just sit back and ha- yeah. enjoy themselves. That sounds great. I don't have those genetics. I'm just always doing something. I, I can't sit still for too long. Um, so I've been saving these two questions or they're not questions because there's, they're going to be stories from you. I've been saving them for the end of the show. Uh, just no reason why it's just happened to plan out that way. But you have two great stories that I think are phenomenal. The first one is, uh, your Virgil story. Uh, so can you let us, can you let us know about that? Yeah. Uh, so like, like I said, I moved out to California and I was, uh, training at big time wrestling and the big time wrestling in California is much like the one here on the East coast where they are, uh, you know, they're, they're what indie wrestlers call a autograph signing company. They bring in big names to do meet and greets. Then those names have, depending on what point in their career they're in, they have either very phoned in matches or very like practice for a return to TV match. And they have a small number of local guys. Um, the big time in California had a big fan fest every year. And every year they had their own table set up in the hopes of bringing in new trainees. So they would have us, the trainees, at the table with our merch that no one was interested in because they'd rather go meet the Iron Sheik. Um, <laughs> and we were to essentially try to talk to anyone who looked roughly our age and convince them to come be a trainee. The owner thought it would be a really great rib to put us right next to Virgil's table and no one else. There were no other tables near us. It was just us and Virgil in the corner. And the whole day he is, I mean, it was hard to tell if, you know, I don't want to imply anything, but he may have been on something or he may have just been hyped on life. I don't know, but he was amped and ready to go, man. And he kept telling us, man, I don't know why you're, why you're sitting here. If I was young, if I was like you guys, if I was ready to go, I'd be in the car in Florida. I'd be knocking on their door every day, every day. And pretty soon they can't deny you. They can't deny you if you just keep showing up. And he was real emphatic about it. It was almost like a Gary V talk. (laughs) Gary V. (laughs) And, uh, and finally I, I had had it. We'd been next to him for six hours and I was done. And I elbowed the kid next to me. I go, Hey, watch this. And I look at him all confused. I go, so what's with the NWO shirt? And he looks at me and he goes, I was in the NWO. And I gave him the same look back. And I go, really? 
you sure? Yes, I was in the end. And he is incredulous and beside himself. Yes. And half of the trainees do not get what I'm doing. The other half are in on it. And uh, I'm telling them things like, are you sure you weren't in like DX? He goes, that wasn't in DX. I was in the NWO. And I told him, were you just like standing behind Scott Norton the whole time or what? <laughs> he goes, Scott Norton. He's just furious that I knew Scott Norton was there, but not him. Right. And he's just so mad. And finally, the kid next to me goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure he came in in the wolf pack. He goes, I wasn't in the wolf pack. And he's just so mad. And so now we're just we're ribbing him. And it's it's one of my favorite stories that we just we drove him up the wall. Oh, my gosh. I I would I would have loved to been in on that because I would have picked up what you were what you were laying down and been like, I'm pretty sure it was DX. He came in with like X pot. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it would have been classic. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a, one or two of them caught on and yeah. got a couple jokes in on their own. Some of the rest of them, like, just sat there in stunned silence because we seemed to be mouthing off right. to the famous guy. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. And truthfully, I would have felt the same way, except I'd been the one right next to him the whole day. <laughs> right. And I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, hyped up. He was probably trying to relive those. Uh, Glory days, as Bruce Springsteen would say, you know, trying to, who knows, but it's a great story either way. And the other story is uh, a story by uh, recently passed, so rest in peace, New Jack, a New Jack story, uh, which I thought was top notch. And uh, you can censor yourself with that word. Yeah, I I certainly will. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, that's that's a story I'm always very careful about Mm -hmm. how I tell because uh, there are certain things new jack could say yes. that i absolutely cannot yes i don't um, mind throwing around a couple uh, uh swear words here and oh yeah here yeah there, but I'll, i'm not I'll, and this ain't new jack this ain't new jack sensor yeah i'll drop an f-bomb <laughs> yeah but the man the stuff he's saying for sure uh so i go down to texas with rip bison at the time tomahawk and the sea stars and layla hirsch you know there's like a crew of us that went down there together and uh the show we're on, uh, New Jack is on. Right. And we're all in the back getting changed. New Jack shows up, walks right by everyone, doesn't say a word. He's already in full gimmick. I don't know if, if he was wearing street clothes in the match or if his gimmick clothes or what he wore. To the, it's hard to tell because it's just camo pants and a T-shirt, right? <laughs> um, he walks by, makes no eye contact, then anyone goes straight to the gimmick table. I go out and have my match. Uh, the kid I'm, I was working is very talented, but we didn't have great chemistry. And I got a little fed up when I went to gorilla press him and he didn't go up the way I liked. He came right back down on my shoulders. I shrugged it off and just launched him with everything. And from there on in the match, every time I checked him, it was just with pure reckless abandon. And the match ends, and I, I walk out, and as I'm, as I'm leaving up the ramp, New Jack is still at his gimmick table, and he gives me one of these. So I go, oh, uh, okay. And I go walking over, and I'm thinking, oh, did I do a, something he does? Uh-oh. I couldn't have. You did a New Jack move. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm walking over, and he goes, yo, man, that match, that was a good-ass match. And I was like, oh, thanks. That, that's great. And he goes, yeah, man. Wait, you threw that fat fuck around. <laughs> and 
already I'm like, oh god, because there's like there are no seats at the show. It's standing room, and the right. people are all around us hearing this conversation. Right. And I go, oh well, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks very much. <laughs> and I, I I I walk away. A little while later, I come out because they're having a hardcore battle royal. You know, like you do. Like every yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I I come out now in regular. I in fact I was probably wearing this shirt. I come out and I'm standing in short shorts, run, you know, short, short jogging shorts, barefoot, standing behind the audience, just taking the show in. I look like a many other audience member right. at that point. I'm just six inches taller than any of them. And all of a sudden I feel this presence kind of come up next to me. And right up next to me is New Jack standing just like I'm standing, watching the thing. Uh, and I go, oh, hey. And he goes, hey, man. That match, I want you to know something. <laughs> Way you threw that fat fuck around, you the real. And he drops the end bomb. <laughs> and I'm I'm a little frozen. I go, oh, uh, well, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, and he goes, all right, well, here we go, and just marches through the audience, not down the <laughs> entry, marches through the audience into the ring, and starts grabbing like computer keyboards and bashing people in the head <laughs> he beats the crap out of everyone wins the match climbs back out of the ring no raisin arm arm or anything climbs back out of the ring walks right back through the crowd stands next to me turns to watch the show everyone's staring at us now he turns like he's watching the rest of the show and he looks at me and goes it's how we do it and i'm like uh... i'm sitting there going what the hell just <laughs> happened and after a long pause he goes all right i gotta sell some merch but just remember something wait you threw that fat fuck around you the real, and he drops the end bomb again. And I, I, in a, a moment of pure coolness on my end, literally respond, "Thank you." <laughs> and I, I kid you not, his face goes from to, and he walks away back to his merch table. And that's when I realized Delmi, yeah. uh, Delmi Exo of the Sea Stars, yeah who's like basically my kid sister is standing right behind me and just walks up where new Jack was standing and goes, you know, you just embarrassed yourself in front of new Jack. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. She, she has incredible comic timing that way. She's always in the right place. Oh man. They're great. Delmi, oh, oh, they're, oh, they're phenomenal. I'll give you a great Delmi story. I haven't told on other podcasts. Okay. This will be, I think you're the first one to hear this. All right. Uh, we go down to New Orleans wrestling for Kaiju Big Battle, the monster fights. And when I get down there, I'm told that I am wrestling two nights in a row, Daisuke Sekimoto. What a booking. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I meet him for the first time backstage, and he does not speak any English, or at least he wasn't going to speak it to me. And he had someone with him who was essentially a translator, and we were having a, a very polite translated conversation about what we wanted to do and you know he is just thrilled to pieces to be a part of this he's looking around at all the silly monster costumes and giggling he's having a great time and his translator sees something out of the corner of his eye and says oh, excuse me i'll be right back and walks away so now we're just standing there because <laughs> what are we gonna do we can't talk to each other he's standing there and all of a sudden he goes and he grabs one of the monster heads and he's looking at it and like Shows it to me and he's giggling to himself. He tries to put it on. It won't fit on his head. He puts it down. He picks up like a lobster claw from one of the costumes and he's picking up other. He's playing with all these things. I'm, so I'm watching this 
maniac monster Japanese wrestler, just right. giddy like a little kid in a toy store. And Delmi comes over. Delmi was going to have a moment in our match in the costume that she was going to be in where she needed to be clotheslined by him. And so I, I figured, oh, well, I, I should you know, tell him why this girl is standing here now. So I, I start to in very slow, like sort of the practiced way of doing English that I did as a teacher in Korea. I started doing the sort of slow, broken English introduction. And I finish saying what I'm saying, and he just stares at me. <laughs> and Delmi looks at me and looks at him and looks at me. And I, I kind of give a, a simpler version of what I'm saying. But of course, Delmi doesn't really ring like a regular name that someone might be familiar with. Yeah. And I'm clearly not doing a great job. I flounder for like 40 full seconds trying to introduce the two of them. Nothing. Just dead. I mean, like the, the, the worst, a stand-up comedian's nightmare. Right. Delmi turns to him and fires off a paragraph of perfect Japanese. <laughs> I have been on so many road trips with Delmi. Why does this goofy Mexican girl from Providence know Japanese? <laughs> Your little sister. I, just to yeah, tell you. I, ha, I have no idea how she's doing this. And the two of them kind of giggle and smile. Oh, they said something about you. And she turns back to me and she says, oh, I did like two years in high school in Japan as, a, <laughs> as an exchange student. And walks away with a big fucking grin on her face. Oh, just she, she does that. She sits back and waits and then nails you with something like that. That is great. That is a great, great story. Comedic timing. Can't you can't you can't teach that. <laughs> no, no, she she has it very naturally and in spades. Yeah. Oh man, I tell you what, Perry. Uh, my cheeks hurt tonight because I've been smiling and laughing all night, and uh, that's 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 a good thing for me. It's been a, it's been a great time. I'm glad. Uh, I left a lot on the table. Because I think we could literally talk all night. I have a bunch of other stuff I didn't bring up, uh, but you know we gotta leave. We gotta leave our forbidden door open. You know, leave it <laughs> open course. so you can come back. Um, yeah, but, we, there's there's so much we didn't touch on. Oh, for sure. I didn't even talk about the uh, mutually assured destruction finisher name. I didn't even yep, talk. Didn't, on didn't that. touch on that. We didn't touch on uh, my chickens. No, that's right. I was gonna. And you're right. I was gonna there's, bring that there's, up. There's so much left. Lots, lots of stuff left. Uh, Brian Zane, a little wrestling with the grap. Yep. Uh, some promo stuff. Oh, good, good lord. But what we do at the end of every show, and I've been putting links in the chat. Uh, we got your pro wrestling tees link, which uh, use the promo code Summertime twenty percent off. Go get yourself yep. a fucking Perry Vaughn T-shirt. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, all the socials are up and, um, uh, so the time, the floor is yours. You can put over anything you want and bury anything you, you can say. I don't care what you do. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. I can, what, what I'm going to do, you know, obviously my stuff's out there. This has been a whole show about me. I don't have to put myself over at all. Point. I'm going to put over, uh, some of the companies that are, you know, good enough to, to, to use me and to showcase me. Um, you know, limitless wrestling. Um, I've I've yet to be on a main show. 
with a live audience for Limitless, but their sister company, Let's Wrestle, I've, I've been a regular there and I was a big part of their, their tapings when they did those during the pandemic. Uh, they're fantastic. They're doing amazing things up. I'm actually headed up there tomorrow with, uh, with Rip and with uh, Johnny Torres, who is their, uh, one of their commentators, uh, heading up there to just help out at the show. Um, and uh, Blitzkrieg Pro in uh, Enfield, Connecticut, or West Springfield, you know, just that general area. They kind of move around between venues. A fantastic company. Uh, they book some amazing talents in a real different flavor and feel from Limitless. Um, uh, also, uh, a lesser known company out in Eastern Mass, uh, NCW. Ah, NCW. Uh, they are a company that booked me before I even moved away when I was brand new and they had, I had no business being on any show and they have always been fantastic to me. They let me try new stuff, do weird things. They let me pick my own opponents. Uh, I have a great time there. Um, and then uh, up in Canada, Kaizen pro wrestling, uh, K A I Z E N uh, with, uh, with Kobe Christ uh, that, whole crew up there is fantastic and i'm either in nova scotia really looking forward to getting back there once things really open up i know rip will be back there sooner than i will um and uh yeah there's other places are usually a little more sporadic kaiju big battle of course is one that i love but you'd never know if i'm on the show or not you know i could be on every show you don't know (laughs) um but uh yeah uh just those are incredible places and I'll, I'll put over a handful of people while I, while I have the floor. Yes. Uh, Delmi XO uh, of the sea stars and her sister Ashley, but Delmi I'm, I'm, I'm closer with and uh, I've helped to train her a lot, teaching her, you know, as much as I can and everything I know and watching her develop has been incredible. Uh, Rip Bison. uh, He and I would never admit to being friends uh but we travel together all the time and talk every single day so piece it together how you will um johnny torres the uh the announcer i mentioned for limitless he's also an announcer for blitzkrieg one of the greatest minds i've ever known in wrestling uh just an incredible sounding board for ideas um and uh a name that not many people will know uh, he's best known as sometimes Dr. Cube, sometimes American Beetle. But uh, Steve Huey, who will don those outfits uh, and has been toying with the idea of, of wrestling under his own name sometime soon, uh, is a fantastic person. Another Disney Parks obsessive. Uh-huh. Uh, he goes more than I do, if that's possible. Uh, and just an, an incredible person to have on any show. He takes huge risks and does crazy stuff and never says no about anything. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm sure that there's probably a ton of others I should mention, but you know, those, those are all the ones that I, I always keep top of mind. Levi Shapiro, of course, we've, mm-hmm. we've talked a bit about, and he's been on the show before. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, my best friend in wrestling, uh, you know, I, I've, I've, I've wrestled on both coasts with him uh, and hopefully will many more times. Sure. Awesome. Plus when we have you back on again, you can, you can uh, put over all the people that you didn't get to do this time. I'll start putting a list together. Yes. Yes. Please do that. (laughs) Um, Perry, it's been a phenomenal time. Uh, I had a great feeling about tonight 
and uh, you didn't let me down. I, you you exceeded, man. You, you're phenomenal. I mean, coming on the the show with a Weird Al shirt and and just talking UHF. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what you know, everything everything about Weird Al is fantastic. Phenomenal. Um, He's yeah, phenomenal. Uh, so, some sometime when sometime when you have me on, we'll talk Weird Al collections. The the weird collection of merch I have is just absurd. Okay, I'm going to hold you to that. We can do it for sure. Perry, it's been a phenomenal time. Uh, we're going to let you go. Have yourself a great night. Uh, tell your tell your wife, your wife uh, thank you for giving us uh, this time tonight as well. And, uh, you know, we'll see you around, man. Take care. I'm sure she, I'm sure she would thank you for the reprieve. Take care. Thank yeah, you so please. much. Have a great night. Awesome. Great stuff. Great stuff.